Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of current and classic horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews and discussions may include spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. You've been found guilty of one of the vilest of crimes. I am a doctor, you know. I have decided to extend my leniency to its limits by only sentencing you to be committed to the state asylum for the criminally insane for a period of five years. I knew you couldn't give up your work completely, and you haven't. If I succeeded this time, then every sacrifice would have been worthwhile. To Baron Frankenstein, creator of man. If everything could be reborn, unblemished, if a new version of his true self could be created, huh? In the normal way, by mating. But who is? Sarah. One of my New Year's resolutions is to make more of an effort to watch and, of course, review classic horror films, preferably the lesser-known ones. Horror films that are off the beaten path that while casual horror enthusiasts may never have heard of, even some hardcore genre fans may have still missed. I'm hopeful that this new emphasis will strengthen my appreciation for the genre, but also potentially provide more context for the reason why we as genre fans love horror. And I figured a fitting place to begin my look at classic horror films would be with the last of Hammer Films' Frankenstein sequels, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, which is currently streaming on Prime Video and Hulu. For those like myself who were previously unfamiliar, Hammer Films is a British production company best known for their gothic horror films released from the mid-1950s until the mid-1970s. Given Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell as my first Hammer film, my rather reductive summary of what does a 70s Hammer horror film entail? It would be an R-rated version of the Universal Monsters as it's more adult content focused and of course, plenty of blood and gore to top off the experience. Again, this is my first impression based off of a single film in Hammer's filmography, one that I'm sure will change the more exposure I have to their other offerings. But as for Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, this was one hell of an introduction to what Hammer is capable of producing. The 29th and final Hammer film to be directed by Terence Fisher, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell follows Simon Hellier, played by Shane Bryant, finding himself committed to an insane asylum for practicing sorcery, aka following the works of one recently deceased, Dr. Frankenstein. But once he arrives at the asylum, Simon finds that Dr. Frankenstein, played by Peter Cushing, now known as Dr. Carl Victor, is very much alive. And if anything, his tendency for crafting new life from the bits of the dead has only intensified. As Simon becomes Dr. Frankenstein's apprentice, the Doctor's latest horrifying creation grows increasingly resentful of its creator, with the seeds of revenge just about to sprout. What ultimately separates this from other monster films is the added emphasis on exploring the deranged mind of the monster's creator, Dr. Frankenstein. We see the lengths that Frankenstein is willing to go to craft his ultimate creation, sourcing various body parts from the most twisted of places. It should be no surprise that Cushing does a terrific job of being brooding and demented without giving a larger-than-life performance. I often find that mad scientist roles have a tendency to be a bit over the top, and here, Cushing avoids that exceedingly well. Given that this is a monster movie, of course, some may be surprised to learn that the monster is only in the second half of the film, which may disappoint some. I, however, found that director Terence Fisher supplied the film's world with rich, 
self-sustaining gothic atmosphere, making it entertaining and unsettling well before the monster even arrives. In exploring the film's world further, from the asylum's dubious nature as to who is actually running it, to the various characters residing there as patients, and Dr. Frankenstein's strange covert experiments, a lack of a monster barely registered, given how interesting the world of Frankenstein and the monster from hell is. And then of course, there's the strong duo of Peter Cushing and Shane Bryant as the mentor and mentee. The contrast of the overeager Simon and the veteran but secretive Frankenstein makes for a complicated but compelling relationship. This relationship both fuels the film's tension as well as humor, such as when Dr. Frankenstein and Simon make rounds to patients. While Frankenstein knows each patient's quirks and habits, a green behind the ear Simon lacks this knowledge and is the setup for the film's dark sense of humor, laced gags. One particular scene in which Simon attempts to give a patient a spoonful of medicine, only to have it spit back in his face, to which Dr. Frankenstein remarks, she's prone to doing that, you know. While the film does utilize humor periodically, it's never slapsticky or overbearing, rather, there's just enough levity that the looming dread is never diluted. And now for a brief intermission. If you've been enjoying this episode of Daily Horror Habit, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform or leave us a review on iTunes. And thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the remainder of today's horrifying episode. This levity is definitely needed, giving the darker subject matter the film explores, thanks to its R rating. Aside from the whole harvesting body parts to make a monster bit, the stand-in baron of the asylum is at one point caught molesting a patient, to which Frankenstein immediately puts a stop to. Or there's the reality that the guards of the asylum also physically abuse patients, as well as Simon himself, when he initially arrives, such as spraying him with a fire hose until he bleeds from his back. The film's R rating allows for not only more innuendo and mature content, but applies bloody detail to its monster moments that the Universal Monster movies obviously could never even consider dabbling in. Early on, when Simon's body dissections are found out by the police, a careless officer spills a jar full of recently detached eyeballs that he finds in Simon's lab. To which Simon chastises him for, before casually scooping up the goopy eyes with his hands and placing them matter-of-factly into a jar. When the cop inquires as to the purpose of these various body parts strewn about his laboratory, Simon very calmly and confidently responds, I'm going to stitch them together. The ultimate display of these practical effects though, and their bloody nature, comes to a head when we're introduced to the monster in the second half of the film. A hulking smorgasbord of various parts from past asylum patients who have expired. Fisher's monster could not be farther removed from its universal monster appearance, given it's the living embodiment of an abomination. Mismatching parts, and its overall inhuman quality, captures the truly unhinged nature of Frankenstein's work. It isn't just the way the monster looks, but its continued plight of suffering at the hands of a madman. Rather than have the monster break free and attempt to kill at the outset of its introduction, we see firsthand how Frankenstein's insanity directly affects his creation. To the film's credit, it chooses to focus on the psychological aspects of its horrors, as Frankenstein sets out to make the monster a genius. This requires not only a genius's brain, but also teaching the monster to behave in a fashion that is suitable to being around others. This allows the practical effects to once again shine in a particularly memorable surgery scene, but also the time spent with the monster attempting to acclimate to his new body. Seeing how this new brain and consciousness that comes with it adapts to the trauma of this nightmarish metamorphosis is what ultimately humanizes the monster, 
making it a sympathetic character. And even if after a while you might find some of the imperfections with the monster's makeup or costume design, you can't not feel sorry for the creature and begin to root for its inevitable revenge. It isn't just that Frankenstein and the monster from Hell's graphic content applied to a beloved monster, but the ways in which Fisher is able to turn the lens around to the creator, exposing him as the true monster of the film. This psychological aspect definitely allows the film's narrative to be both more engaging than a simple monster movie, but also to present a classic character in a new and improved light. It just helps that this film isn't maligned by a lesser rating that would hinder its satisfying bloody bits as well. So, if you're looking for a far more mature monster movie that's off the beaten path, check out Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell while it's streaming on Prime Video in Hulu. And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit. I'll see you guys tomorrow for another Daily Horror Movie Review. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow the show on Instagram at Daily Horror Habit and on Twitter at Daily Horror Pod for episode updates. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you guys next time.